Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. This presentation has been previously broadcast. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello again. Welcome to this hour of the Inner Life, our hour dedicated to spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, trying to understand how God is speaking to us in different ways. We look at a different topic every day here, and uh, of course, this is all in an effort to know, to love, to serve God better, so we can be happy here in this life and as well as in the life to come. And we do that with the help of different priests that take an hour out of their day each uh, each each weekday here. And, uh, you know, as we get started today, we're now a little more than a week out from the 4th of July. And uh, first of all, I guess, how did you celebrate that day? You go to a cookout, eat a burger or a hot dog or watch some fireworks, kind of the typical 4th of July thing. Our family, we did our celebration on the Sunday, July 3rd, and our older kids had traveled in, and we did the typical barbecue along with the small fireworks, just some sparklers, few fountains on the ground, nothing big, but we did it on that Sunday for a couple of reasons. First, with our adult children having traveled in to visit us, they had to drive back home then on the 4th, so they weren't going to be there that evening. They had to work on the 5th. And then also... Where I live, there's rain that was forecast for the afternoon and the evening of July 4th. So we just did everything on the 3rd. And that made the 4th of July a fairly quiet day for us. We just stayed at the house, ate some of the leftovers, had kind of a lazy day with no plans to go anywhere. But a little before noon, my brother, he ended up telling me that he had seen some breaking news about a shooting that took place in Highland Park. Highland Park, uh, you, you've likely seen this news too. It's a suburb of Chicago. And I looked it up, and this was, I think, probably around, yeah, 11, 11.30 that day. Looked it up, and at that point, some of the details were still coming in, but the numbers, they were kind of changing, being updated as far as how many wounded, how many dead in the shooting now, here, after the fact, we know that seven people died and 46 others were wounded in that shooting last week. And I work about 15 minutes away from Highland Park. My wife, she takes our youngest child to a regular play group that's just a couple minutes north of that suburb. So that afternoon of July 4th, I had friends that were texting me and asking if our family was okay, if we had been out at that parade. And I was able to tell them, thankfully, that we were all safe. But when you hear that kind of news, and we hear it again and again, when you see the report of yet another mentally unstable individual who has killed or injured several people in a public location, what's your reaction? For me, 
I mean, the first thing is sadness. Seeing people who were simply hoping to have a little bit of fun at a local parade. Now they're dealing with loss or grief or maybe ongoing pain because they were injured. But after that initial sadness, there's my, my thoughts, they turn to frustration. You know, that question of when will this end? Because even though that Highland Park shooting, it made national news. Do you know how many other mass shootings there were here in the U.S. last week on the date of the 4th of July? Nine other shootings happened that day, at least mass shootings. One in Richmond, Virginia, one in Queens, New York, in Denver, Kansas City, Sacramento, Minneapolis, Boston, one in the city of Chicago itself, and then one in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Highland Park, it was the one with the most deaths, the most injuries, but it was only one of ten locations in our country where multiple people were injured or killed in a shooting that same day. So I find myself frustrated that this violence continues in our country. And then after that, I have that little thought of fear that kind of lingers there in the back of my mind. What if we take our family to a public event where there is a shooting, where there's some sort of violence? Because I want to keep my children safe, of course, but I also don't want myself, I don't want to live in fear, and I don't want them to live in fear. But then outside of those thoughts and feelings, when these sorts of events happen, I think there's one other natural response many of us have, and it's really kind of the big question that might be the hardest one to answer. And that question is why? Why does this happen? Especially if, if it happens directly to you or to someone you know, then you can ask, why did this happen to me? Or why did this happen to this person that I care about? And it's a challenging question. It's a tough question. When we look at it from a spiritual standpoint, the why question, ultimately it gets directed back to God. Why would God allow this to happen? Why does God allow us to suffer, to feel pain, to experience sorrow? Well, this is what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life, how we can try and understand and make sense of the suffering that we face in our lives. And joining us as our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, Father Carter Griffin is with us once again. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. He's the rector of the St. John Paul II Seminary. And Father Griffin, welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm, I'm glad to have you here for, I, I know this is going to be uh, probably a difficult conversation. Um, you know, as we try and look at this, it's it's one of those questions that, we can get into different philosophical conversation on this topic, but sometimes the answer, it might not seem maybe as satisfactory as we want. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me back um, on on the show. And It is a hard conversation, but I also think that there is something very beautiful in the churches, in the, in the, in the gospel understanding of suffering, and, and how, how we react to that, how we understand it, and how we react to it personally. Which, um, which is one of the great blessings of being a Christian. That I, I don't know of any other religion or philosophy, or, or you know, which would come even close to having a way of of of, of understanding and and yeah. even embracing even embracing some of the consequences of suffering and being able to offer up our suffering, uniting it to, to those of Jesus. And so we'll get into all that, I'm sure, in the conversation. So it is a hard thing, but it's also part of the good news of how we can react to it. 
Right. Well, and when I say we might not get a satisfactory answer, I really mean it's the answer that most of us want just on the surface. And that's just take away the pain, take away the suffering. I, I don't want yeah. to suffer. You know, that that's yeah. really kind of the, the answer that we think that's that that would make me happy. That would satisfy me. But uh, when we dig deeper, we find a better answer like you're you're kind of starting off here that it allows us to see beyond the suffering that there's something more um and so big question in front of us we've got a little less than an hour right now to try and unpack this but looking at just like with that highland park shooting with so many mass shootings that we see in our country when it's violence or evil perpetrated against us or someone else we ask, why does God allow evil and suffering in the world, especially if God loves us, if God is yeah. good, if God is just? You know, why would he allow evil actions to be done that harm us and cause that pain and suffering? And one of the things that I guess this gets into is there's the aspect of free will, and it, it works in our <laughs> benefit when we want it to, but it also works against us when other people don't want to be nice, when they don't want to do good things. They have free will as well. That's right. You know, and you even wrote the very beginning of, of the scriptures, you know, Adam and Eve, I mean, God made them in such a way that they could have chosen to disobey him, and, and they did. Um, and so he willed them to, 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 to live in that way because he willed them to be something radically different from all the other animals. Um, and they would have dominion over the animals and over creation. They were to be um, his own chosen, uh, ch they're to be his children, his son and daughter. And, th and that, that sense of, of being united to God, that intimacy with God that we each have, is radically dependent upon that greatest gamble that God has made, which is to make us free. And that freedom can be used and it can be abused. And we see it in our own lives. We own, we're each capable of doing awful things and, and perhaps ha have in our hearts or maybe in our actions or words. And to see that working, that mystery of evil working in ourselves uh, is important to be able to understand, you know, when, when, when bad things happen to good people, well, first of all, are we in fact, is any of us really good? But also, you know, that, that that's part of the structure of reality if we are in fact going to be free and true children of, of, of God. And that's a kind of a terrifying thought. You know, I think it was Dostoevsky who said, every man is afraid of his own freedom. And there is something in that which is like, it's a little bit terrifying, but also exhilarating, and it's the potential for, for our greatness is, is dependent upon that freedom. But as you said, it kind of works both ways. Yeah. C.S. Lewis, he addresses this in his book, The Problem of Pain. I mean, he addresses several things. Uh, yeah. dealing with pain and suffering in that book. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, that structure of reality, he looks at and he says the idea of eliminating abuse of free will that causes another individual pain or suffering, um, he, he kind of compares it to a chessboard. And here, I'll, I'll read what he says before he talks about the chessboard. He says, we can perhaps conceive of a world in which God corrected the results of this abuse of free will by his creatures at every moment so that a wooden beam became as soft as grass when it was used as a weapon and the air refused to obey me if I attempted to set up in it the sound waves that carry lies or insults. But such a world would be one in which wrong actions were impossible and in which therefore freedom of the will would be void. If the principle were carried out to its logical conclusion, even evil thoughts would be impossible, for the cerebral matter 
which we use in thinking, would refuse its task when we attempted to frame them. And so he talks about matter, that, you know, all the different materials that we have around us that allow us to do, you know, to, to do things, even the matter of our own being, that um, there has to be that structure. Every once in a while, God will do something that's outside of the regular, what we call nature or a natural behavior of the, the matter that we have here. Um, and we call those miracles. But if you don't have that structure, then you're not really free and nobody around us would be free. So there has to be kind of this 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 equal playing field, so to speak. And that's where he goes into the idea of chess. You have to have the structure of the board there to know how to move the pieces if there's no structure, if there's no rules, then it just becomes chaos. Right. I mean, I think that a potential response to that would be, well, I mean, that's the world that God could have created, and we still would have had some veneer of freedom, but it was a freedom that could only be used for the good, because he would counteract anything for the bad. The question is, in such a world, is even that freedom for the good, is it true freedom? You know, and I think that's a legitimate kind of question. Like, unless we have the capacity to, do, to, to commit evil, can we in fact be truly free to do good? It's right. a complicated question. It can sort of go both, both ways on that. But the other thing to keep in mind is that even if you could set up uh, a sort of a thought experiment in which there was no suffering on earth, um, we would still have to answer the question, well, then why would, you know, and if you did that, well, why would God still permit it then if he's in fact good and all-powerful? And the answer can only be, can only be at the end of the day, can only be because God is going gonna, is gonna to draw something even greater out of it, right? He's going to draw a greater good even out of the worst suffering. And the, and the proof of that, the definitive proof, of course, is the passion of our Lord, right? The one, the, the greatest evil that's ever been committed on earth is the, the torture and murder of the whole, whole Holy Son of God. And out of that came our redemption, you know, out of that came supernatural life for billions. Um, and so to sort of see in that kind of, in a sense, case study or whatever, we can see kind of the, the paradigm or the icon into all of these ways that God can, will draw good out of evil. And we see even glimpses of that in our own lives. You know, you look back on your life and this thing which seemed so hard and that suffering is sometimes where we grew the most or where we received the greatest blessing, where we were closest to the Lord, where we were closest to our loved ones. Um, the suffering even of a child can sometimes bring out love and, uh, from people all around him, which wouldn't have been there otherwise. I mean, God, God has this way of drawing good out of evil, which is tr truly divine. Uh, and to, unless we have that, then no matter what, what thought experiment we come up with, at the end of the day, we're still going to say, well, wh why, why doesn't it just get rid of suffering? You know? And the answer must be that. Yeah, well, and I think that, you know, you mentioned the suffering of a child because so far we've been talking about if somebody, uh, they, they they are the ones to instigate that evil mm -hmm. against us that, that causes the suffering. But, you know, there's plenty of pain and suffering in our lives where it, it isn't brought on by another person. It might be a natural disaster that, you know, ruins homes, claims lives, uh, could be some chronic or terminal illness that randomly hits us. But again, going back to that child, you know, if, if, if you've got a child, typically we'll look and say, oh, they're innocent and they're suffering unfairly or unjustly. You know, a child who does have cancer or dies at a young age, or maybe they're born in a part of the world where they their life is just going to be suffering, you know, whether that's yeah. um, uh, born into slavery, born into an area where there's genocide, whatever it might be. Um, and, and so I think when we talk about free will, it helps us understand 
the the side of okay somebody does something evil against me but when it's these random kind of happenstance circumstances that aren't brought on by somebody else how can we look at those and say you know have that understanding of why god would allow that that kind of suffering Right, and and I think that we have to start out by saying that in those, I mean, they're almost too painful to think about, to think about little children suffering with, with as yeah. you say, with terminal cancer or something. And to say that there is going to be a, a degree, we, we will not be able to resolve this. Like, there, there's no kind of, this is a silver bullet answer, this is the answer, and this everybody will, will be satisfied with it. But what it does do is that there is an invitation, suffering is a kind of an invitation into a deeper into a deeper intimacy with God, a deeper trust of God, because there are going to be there are going to be times in our life where we say, "I don't get this, I don't like this, I don't understand this, but I trust in you, Lord. You know what you're doing. You know what you're about. You love me more than I love myself. You love my child more than I love my child, and I have to trust you." And that it's a deep call to faith, and sometimes we're going to come to that break, that that fork in the road, and it's going to be really hard to go down the road of trust, um, and and we may have to sort of. You know, walk back our steps a little bit, and kind of maybe day in and day out, like it has to be a struggle to trust to trust God. Um, but to know that He is going to draw something even greater out of it. All things, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, all things work unto the good for those who love God. And 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 know that, and 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 seeing back in our own life how sometimes that has even been the case in our lives. And so, as hard as it is, you know, God does know what He's doing. Um, and I think one other thing, and that is that to to trust not only that God knows what He's doing. Um, but that the greatest evil, um, and this is fundamental, I think, to the Christian understanding of suffering, the greatest evil that we can experience is not suffering. The greatest evil is separation from God. And sure. so, even, so even when we're looking at our own dear child and sort of saying, this is incredible suffering, but the worst thing that could happen is for my child to be separated from God in this life and in the life to come. And if this is part of the plan for him never to be separated from God, then I trust you in that too, Lord. Right. There has to be that, that kind of that sense that this is not the greatest thing. This is not the worst evil that can befall my loved one. Uh, well, and it's one thing to know that intellectually, but then yep. when you get to that point, that's that's a much different reality that you're faced when you're in the moment there. Um, and that's I where that one relationship things, comes in with God, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you know, there, there has to be some preparation for that point. Um, otherwise, it will just fall apart on you. It's going to be hard to have trust if you haven't developed the trust in that relationship beforehand. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, and that happens through a number of different ways. I mean, I think certainly our own interior life is, is kind of on an ongoing way. The best way to prepare for future suffering is to prepare by, by, by present-day relationship with the Lord. Um, I think as well, like being um, able to sort of test our, sort of in small ways to experience some suffering, some small self-denial, some mortification. I mean, that's one of the reasons for the, the idea of sacrifice, of small fasting or whatever it might be, is to get used to this idea that the worst thing in life, and it's hard in this very comfortable age to remember this, the worst thing in life is not suffering. You know, so I remember hearing about a monastery wall and it said, if you die before you die, then you won't die when you die. <laughs> you know, and so that those little small deaths that happen on a daily basis help us to remain in that place of trust and relationship with the Lord and to remember that that suffering, as bad as it is, even when the great suffering comes, we'll be prepared for it by having sort of, you know, tilled the ground beforehand. Yeah. 
Talking with Father Carter Griffin today here on The Inner Life. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. He's the rector of the St. John Paul II Seminary. And uh, also want to mention he has a book that deals with this, along with so many other questions that uh, we face in our faith journey, in our life. Uh, The book is called Cross-Examined Catholic Responses to the World's Questions. It's available through Emmaus Road Publishing. And again, it it kind of uh, touches on some of the themes that we're hitting here during this hour of the inner life. Um, So great resource for you. Um, But coming up next, Father, let's talk about how it's it's kind of natural for us to look at suffering and think God might be punishing us. Um, we need to take a break before we get into that, but I also want to invite your phone calls as you're listening, and uh, when have you had to face that suffering? And how did you rely on God? How did you have that trust? How did your trust increase while you were going through it? And how did it making it through that suffering draw you closer to Christ? Uh, maybe you're going through the suffering right now. There's something that you're dealing with, and It just doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. You're looking for some advice, for some help, some insight. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Griffin. 888-914-9149 is our phone number to call into the studio here. 888-914-9149. Or you can email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll be right back here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined today by Father Carter Griffin, and we're talking about the pain and the suffering that we experience in life, trying to make sense of that. Why does God allow us to suffer? And maybe you're going through that suffering right now in your life, and it's hard for you to understand why God is allowing it. Maybe you have a question. Um, Maybe you've been through that suffering in the past, and you've been able to see yeah, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't. I, I wouldn't have chosen to go through it, but I can see how God worked in my life because of that. And I can see the benefit, the results, the fruits of that suffering. We'd love to hear your story, how God worked in your life because of that suffering. 888-914-9149. That's our studio line, 888-914-9149, or our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, right before the break, I mentioned suffering that we can... Uh, equate that with punishment. I think that's fairly natural, you know, that mm-hmm. if, we're, if we're finding ourselves going through some sort of difficulty, some sort of suffering, uh, God must be punishing me. And that could be the case, but just as likely, it might not be true. And we see Jesus address this when he heals a blind man. Jesus' disciples, they ask if the blind man who was born blind Uh, if he was stricken with blindness because he had sinned or because his parents had sinned, and they don't even consider that there could be another option. For them, it's just they can't conceive that blindness was anything other than a punishment. But then Jesus, he says that the man wasn't born blind as a punishment for sin. It was to allow others to see God working through him. And then through that healing, ultimately, we see the miraculous power of Jesus. It's a testament to his divinity, 
Um, so for us, rather than seeing our punishment as or our, our suffering as a punishment, how do we look at suffering with a better understanding? How can we kind of train ourselves to look at suffering with that sight that God might really just be allowing this eventually so that it accomplishes something better? Yeah. Um, and of course, what makes this tricky is that there is, even though, uh, I mean, there's something true about the fact that suffering comes from our from our sin because, you know, suffering entered the world because of human sin. Um, and very often our own actions have resulted in suffering, suffering that we've called or caused ourselves or caused other people. Um, but what happens is we take that basic grain of truth and then it becomes, you know, everything that I suffer, especially things that I can't sort of find a reason for the suffering or, you know, whatever it seems, that, that all of these things get attributed to something that I've done wrong. And that's not simply not necessarily the case. And, and the proof for that, and proof, the definitive proof, is the fact that Jesus himself suffered tremendously and was, of course, completely sinless. So it's one of the and of the aspects of, of the good news, aspects of the gospel that is unique to the gospel, this, this, that, that we have completely rejected the necessary connection between our own sins and our suffering, which means that there may be reasons for our suffering, as there were for Jesus, that are in God's, in God's plan, which again goes back to the question of trust, and that God is going to draw something even greater good out of this. So it is a natural thing. I think it's a um, maybe something that, I don't know, originates in our childhood, or, or maybe it's just a sense of justice. If I'm, you know, oftentimes when you do something wrong, there's punishment for it. Therefore, if there's punishment, sure. I must have done something wrong. Um, so there's a natural understanding to it. But we have to constantly sort of correct that. And we correct that by gazing upon the crucifix. And we see the sinless one uh, in his suffering, who also through that brought life into the world. So the other side of this, you know, it's it's very possible that our suffering is not a punishment, but we don't have that long vision. We don't we can't in the present moment necessarily understand all the ins and outs of how God will at some point in the future possibly use that suffering for his purposes. And even in the letter to the Hebrews in the Bible, we read that the Lord disciplines those who he loves, chastises every son whom he receives. And it goes on to say Uh, This is in the 12th chapter of Hebrews. It says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So, uh, you know, I mean, rather than necessarily punishment, if we we talk about that it is, though, that corrective act, you know, like you said, when we're a child, if we do something wrong, our parents try and correct that so that we understand why it's wrong and why we shouldn't do that again. So... It is possible that if we need correction, God could be disciplining us. How do you think we can discern and distinguish if our suffering is more in that realm of corrective action from God uh, versus it's a suffering that's not a punishment at all? It's not some sort of correction. It is just simply where God will do something in the future through that suffering to bring about greater good. Right. Well, I mean, maybe to do a sort of thought experiment, I think, well, what would be some of the things that God may be teaching me through my suffering? For example, when we suffer, we often are kind of brought to our knees and we realize more our need for God, more than before, you know, if we're not suffering. It may be that through our suffering, we have certain attachments that we have in our life, you know, even an attachment to our own health or our physical beauty or, you know, certain possessions or whatever. And this suffering is causing us, the suffering of poverty is causing us to be more separated, which is good for our soul. You know, it may be the suffering is expanding our heart, increasing our capacity to love. 
maybe our, our suffering is causing the charity of others to come forth. I mentioned that with the little child. And in any case, suffering can always be, and I know we haven't really gotten to this too much, but of course it's the, it's the, it's the final and most important teaching of suffering in the Christian dispensation, that suffering can unite us to the sufferings of Christ and draw forth a great deal of grace for ourselves and for others in the world. And that's part of the, part of the Christian's answer to the great mystery of suffering that everyone has to answer. But Christians actually have a response. You know, Jesus never said he would take away suffering. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, but he did say that he would sanctify suffering. And so, you know, like Fulton Sheen said, there's nothing is worse than wasted suffering. So Christians have a, there's a purpose behind suffering. So if we know that, then we can sort of, in a sense, you know, reverse engineer, look at our suffering and say, well, I'm suffering here because, I mean, I, I, you know, the sins that I committed are causing the suffering. That's an obvious case of kind of sort of a punishment for, for sin. Yeah. But, it, but it may be that there are just other aspects of our life that are not yet completely converted and redeemed, you know, redeemed, and our Lord is permitting this so that we can have a healthy detachment from some of these things that, that we're kind of clinging to and that are keeping us from him. And that might be seen as a kind of an answer to some of our own weaknesses or failures. And sometimes it, it has nothing to do with any of those things, and it's simply an invitation to embrace our cross and, and, and allow grace to pour into the world through that. So it's, it's, we don't, I don't know if we necessarily have to have too precise of an answer to what, where this suffering comes from or what the purpose of this suffering is. I think we often can't have an answer but we can always know that we can trust and that God will yield wonderful things through it if we allow him. Yeah, well, and that was kind of, you know, my thought is it's, I think the only time it would be important to really know the difference between what the purpose of the suffering is, is only in that corrective, that discipline area. Because if God's trying to correct a behavior in me, um, I, I, I have to have the realization at some point that there's something that is... A roadblock, something holding me back in growing closer to God, and with that awareness, then I'm able to acknowledge this needs to change. Um, but that would be the only time that I, I guess I can think of where it would be it would be important to to have that understanding, that realization. But even with that, I mean, sometimes that just it takes time. It's not going to be that you'll have that immediately as soon as you start kind of thinking about it. Um, right. <laughs> again, talking with Father Carter Griffin here, and I uh, want to throw out the phone number again, 888-914-9149 is our studio line, 888 as we're talking about those sufferings, those difficulties, the pain that we face in our life, and how we make sense of that and how we understand that, how we look and see how God uses that. And, uh, Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Tom, who's calling in from Cookville, Tennessee. Tom, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. appreciate your program. appreciate the radio station. Um, I, when I heard the, the Father talking about uh, the uh, the terror of the free will, you know, I really that really struck a chord because... I do. I, I am afraid. Most of my suffering is due to my own wrong choices. And uh, so my question is, you know, how, how do you deal with that kind of fear? You know, it's a real fear. You know, fear of the, I mean, freedom to choose is it, it's it's a ter it's a it's a terrifying thing when you've made a lot of wrong choices. And, um, you know, of course, you you know, you study a word, you you know, you. You go to the gathering of believers. You 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 know you partake in the sacraments. You know you do everything uh, that you know of to uh, 
to uh, you know to stop making wrong choices. Uh, you know, but the the fear is still there. So I'd just like to hear the the brother speak to that. Um, you know, if if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. It's <laughs> it's uh, you've you've sort of touched a nerve, I think, and a lot of us that uh, sort of ha- have that same sense that. On the one hand, we're we're happy that we have the we have freedom um, because it's freedom which enables us to love, and it's freedom which enables us to receive God's grace, and it's freedom which enables us to to generate new life on earth. I mean, all these things that are kind of aspects of our freedom um, that are that is specifically human. It's 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 actually angelic as well. I mean, the angels are free, um, and so there's something very beautiful and. and but there's also something kind of terrifying in that because we can also use that. You know, the greatest gifts can be used for the worst purposes. Um, you know, St. Paul says that, Christ, that Jesus has set freedom free. You know, uh, for freedom he has set you free. And that, that notion of our freedom being anointed and sanctified by God and by his grace is a, is a running current um, in the scriptures that, that our freedom, it's true, it can, it can betray us and we can use it against all those whom we love and especially against God. Uh, but that if we are faithful to the Lord, then he will be constantly turning our freedom more and, you know, slowly and slowly, but always back in a way that he's kind of rectifying our will, right? The idea of holiness is that it's wholeness, right? That we become fully integrated, body and soul, spirit, and that, and, and that our passions and our, and our reason, everything is sort of aligned. And that's only grace can do that. And so by, by doing what you're doing, which is praying and receiving the sacraments and striving to follow God's will, even though we know that we fall and we need to be picked up again, and with confidence, you know, running to God's mercy over and over again, um, I think that we will, we, and, and you, I'm sure you have seen it in your own life, already moving, you know, and he, and he works so gently and beautifully in our soul. Um, but the fact is that the answer to the fear is is the relief of knowing of God's mercy, <clears throat> because we're not going to use our freedom well all the time, and we are going to fall down and sometimes fall down flat on our face. Uh, but if we know that he is constantly waiting there, you know, like the father in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, peering into the distance, waiting for us to come around the corner to once again be reconciled to him. And he will never get tired of doing that. Uh, it's we get, who get tired of asking for it, <laughs> but he never gets tired of doing that. So I think mercy is ultimately the only answer to the fear that you uh, so well expressed, Tom. You know, it also goes back to, I think, what you were saying before, Father, you know, that trust. We really have to develop that trust in God. And, um, you know, there, there's there's times where we see in Scripture, especially, you know, famously with Jesus, where he uh, he has Satan tempting him in the wilderness, and at one point he responds, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But there are other times where God says, it is okay to test me. Um, he, he, especially when he says, you know, make that offering of what you can give to the church. You know, this is actually before the church. This would have been, I, I think it's in Malachi where he says, test me in this. If you, if you tithe, if you are generous, I will bless you. And he says it in strong language through the prophet. Um, but I think that's another area where it's probably pretty safe, you know, as long as you're not doing anything haphazardly. But you can look and say, God, I'm trying to trust you. I need to, I need to trust you. And I'm going to do this because I, I think this is where you're leading me. And then 
you're going to have to step out in faith at some point, and God will he'll prove his faithfulness, um, you know, in different ways. It's probably not going to be how you expect. I mean, that's at least been my experience in life, is the things that I think it should go a certain way. Well, God proves his faithfulness, but it's in a way that I never would have expected. Um, I, I would imagine that's the case for most people, Father. I think so. And I think the flip side to trusting God more is, is frankly, trusting ourselves a little bit less. You know, we live in a very, uh, I don't know, uh, kind of a self-referential age. And I love the the, the quote from St. Saint, uh, Saint John Marie Vianney, you know, who says, God, it's the Jan, John, Marie, John Marie is saying, don't trust John Marie, you know, t- telling God, you know, don't, don't trust me. I don't trust myself. You know, g- give me the grace that I need right. in order to do this, because I'm really not totally trustworthy. And if we know that about ourselves, then we will make decisions with that. You know, it's the alcoholic who doesn't trust himself to walk past a bar, that we're all that alcoholic in in one respect or another in our lives, and knowing where we need to kind of give a wide berth, knowing that we're kind of weak in this area or that area, um, whether it's about gossip or about this, but whatever it might be. And so as we we learn, we might distrust our freedom and fear our freedom, but if we learn to give a wide berth to areas where we tend to have falls, then, you know, then, then... then that trust in God will be even will be even better rewarded. Father, let's go back to the phones. Renato is calling in from uh, South America, listening in Paraguay. Renato, welcome to the Inner Life. Glad to have you calling in. Hey, good morning. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure, Josh and the Father Griffin. I think I heard from Washington. Uh, yeah, I wanted to share my experience with the with the cross cars. Uh, my wife and I and our eight children, we were, we are Catholics. And, of course, uh, we have this experience of pain that we had uh, to live, which uh, totally uh, overwhelmed us, which was the death of our 11-year-old son, Alessandro, as the consequence uh, of a very serious uh, car accident. And, uh, you know, uh, I was hearing your very wise and beautiful comments uh, regarding both the pain and the uh, the suffering and what comes after. The truth is that uh, in our case, uh, throughout the initial moment of the big uh, impact that such a monstrous thing as death uh, occurs, you're so numb that you really don't have even the time to start questioning certain things like your belief in God or what you do uh, discover, though, are the amazing beauties that this world has to offer, like uh, people you never imagined coming close and giving that one word would change your uh, instant. Or, you know, people you never even knew existed with uh, embracing and accompanying. And suddenly God starts showing you a world that you didn't know existed. And before you know it, uh, through this amazing pain, uh, we were discovering that for the first time we were understanding uh, God's world in an intimate way. In other words, we discovered that before that amazing pain and suffering, the God we knew was more more likely a caricature than the, the, of the real God. And it's really only through pain that God shows us his most uh, beautiful facet. And uh, as a testimony for your uh, listeners, that's what I wanted to share most of all, to just uh, go with the pain, live it, embrace it, and let God uh, do his work, which probably will happen through people uh, who are close to him, and you will discover his amazing love and his most uh, beautiful face. And that's, uh, what, that's my experience. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Renata. That's beautiful. As you said, it's a beautiful witness, and it's a witness that only someone who has gone through that kind of pain, which, I mean, few can understand the depth of the pain of, of having an 11-year-old son die um, so suddenly, and and in that numbness, like you said, there is something that sort of, sort of 
could break through, and it was the love of others and God showing his love through their love. Um, I think as well probably the fact that you had a Catholic faith, it, it might have might seem in hindsight like a, like a caricature, but it was a depth of faith which enabled you to meet that suffering in a spirit of faith, even if it felt like numbness, um, that God had prepared your heart already. You know, St. Saint, uh, Saint, Saint Paul tells the Thessalonians to grieve, but do not grieve as those who have no hope, right? He doesn't say not to grieve. St. Augustine mentions that in the homily. He doesn't say not to grieve. He says don't grieve like those who don't have any hope, because uh, we do have hope. And, and that hope had been prepared in your heart um, and in the hearts of your family members, you know, all those years. And so we, so the, the, the preparation is so important. But as you said, at the end of the day, you know, when kind of the rubber hits the road, we have to sort of throw ourselves out and trust into the arms of God and to be confident that he will catch us. And he will uh, if we do that. And in fact, it will, it may be the single most important kind of thing that happens in our lives. The thing that seems so incomprehensible and horrible at the time may actually end up being the thing that, that changes us forever for the good. So thank you for your witness. Renato, I'm so grateful. Yes. Thank you for just being so open and uh, sharing what... I'm sure is still just painful for you, but uh, but giving the encouragement for so many who are listening that even in the midst of such tragic circumstances, you've been able to see how God works through that. Uh, I want to give out the phone number again, 888-914-9149. Here as today we're talking with Father Carter Griffin about the pain and the suffering that we experience in life, how we understand that, how God uses that and how we can make sense of it. And maybe you've gone through that suffering, and you've been able to see, like Renato, how God was able to uh, impact your life, to draw you closer to him. Or maybe you're going through that suffering right now, and you're not sure how God is going to use it. It's a difficult moment for you. You're looking for some advice, some help along your spiritual journey, and that's why Father Griffin is here. You can call in and speak with him at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll be right back with more here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for joining us here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today talking with Father Carter Griffin, a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. And I mentioned earlier his book that deals with this topic of suffering and pain that we experience in life, but it also deals with a lot of other questions that we face in our faith. Um, it's called Cross-Examined Catholic Responses to the World's Questions. It's available through Emmaus Road Publishing, so um, you can ask your local Catholic bookstore if they're able to get that for you, or you can find it through the Emmaus Road Publishing website. Um, uh, Father Griffin, as we're continuing to talk, let me throw out the phone number one more time here, just so we still have enough time to take one or two more calls. 888-914-9149 is the line here. And uh, talking about the suffering that we deal with in our life, maybe you've gone through that suffering and you've seen how God has worked in your life to draw you closer to him. Maybe you're in that suffering right now and you'd like some advice, some encouragement, um, some insight on 
where to go, how to proceed, how God might be working through this. 888-914-9149. We've talked a lot about trust. You know, that's been a very consistent theme here during this hour. But one of the things you made reference to in the last segment, and it would be good for us maybe to go into a little more detail here, is you, you said we can take our sufferings and unite them with Christ on the cross. This is something that we talk about as redemptive suffering. And St. Paul writes about this in his letter to the Colossians, where he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. Um, You know, the big question that comes usually from this scripture is, what could be lacking in the afflictions of Christ? And I don't want to get too far off of, on that, but um, maybe we can just start there for a moment and why this is important to understand what is still remaining to be added to the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. Well, I think it's related also to um, his injunction that each one of us must pick up our cross and carry it and follow him in order to be his disciples. And that, that notion of of, of everyone has suffering in their life, and the question is, do we embrace that as our cross to follow Jesus in in his own path of holding the cross, of carrying the cross? And so that what's so important about that text from Colossians is that he says, in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. You know, Paul connects it to our membership in the church, which we know also from St. Paul's writings is is like a body, and that body is all the members of the body depend upon the other members. We're all connected. Uh, and in this world of so much alienation and separation, it's a, it's a message that we need to hear over and over again, that we have these connections as human beings and certainly as members of the church together, so that when one member suffers, all the members suffer. When one member rejoices, all the members rejoice. So when we are suffering, we are connected to Christ. And inasmuch as he's the head of the body, of course, his sufferings on the cross were perfect and complete. They were all sufficient for the redemption of the whole world of all time. But inasmuch as they now need to be applied to each member of the body, each cell of his body, that's what hasn't happened yet. And that's what only we can do, in a sense, because he asks us freely to then embrace that cross, whatever it is, so that we can be united to him. So when we experience a suffering that either we've we've kind of we've merited, we've done something to deserve, or maybe we haven't, maybe it's just an illness that comes our way, whatever it is, when we get on our knees and ask for the grace to receive that with with trust and with love, um, then that redounds to to the glory of God, like you said about the blind, you know, quoting from about the about the blind man, right? He was made blind in order to glorify God, right? The sufferings that we that we receive are those which can actually help our brothers and sisters, can call down a lot of grace and also be a, a form of of worshiping God, right? Of, of adoring Him. So there's a powerful connection, I think, between our membership in the church and filling up what is necessary from the sufferings of Christ. And then it, we have we have a reason for the suffering at that point too. It's, right. it's bigger than just ourselves or our our immediate discomfort in that moment. Father, let's go back to the phones again. The phone number here to call in and speak with Father Carter Griffin eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Debbie's calling in from San Francisco. Debbie, glad to have you here on the Inner Life. You're on the air. Thank you, and good morning. I I'm having a problem. My my daughter passed away almost five months ago, and while I miss her terribly, my faith is going to get me through this. But she left behind two 14-year-old twins, and I 
don't know how to respond to them because they've asked me, why would God take my mom? And I said to them, honey, we don't know why, but God God must have needed her. And one of them said, well, doesn't God know that I need her? And the other one is questioning whether or not there is a God, because if there is, why would he take my mom? And I just don't know how to respond to them. Well, I mean, I think it's going to require a lot of patience and a lot of prayer and sacrifice on your part, you know, because it's it's hard for any of us to understand uh, death and suffering and evil, uh, let alone 14-year-olds, you know. So to kind of to know that uh, how they're going to, uh, to to do what you're doing, which is already kind of bring them, you know, to to a better appreciation that God has his reasons, right, that he loves your, your mom even more than I do, even more than you do, um, that, he, that this was the right time for your mom to go home uh, and that God called her home, that God is going is is to send others to help them in their lives. You know, that, that, uh, you know, so trying to bring it into a more supernatural kind of tone to that conversation and then kind of standing back and with your prayers and, and sacrifices, allow the Lord, you know, to kind of work in their hearts because there's not going to be a sort of a single conversation or a single answer that's going to completely satisfy them. But over time, as the pain starts to ease, perhaps, and they start to see signs of God's love in other ways, you know, they're able to make that act of faith and act of trust. But it's a tall order, and it's hard, and it's only by grace that they're going to be able to sort of say yes to that, that call that call to deeper trust. And what you're doing is such a beautiful way of, 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 of ushering them into that by your own example and by your own trust in, in God. Debbie, I hope that helps. Um, you know, Father Griffin said here earlier in the hour, if you didn't have a chance to uh, tune in at the beginning of the program, there really isn't kind of a silver bullet answer, you know, something that will satisfy us completely when we're asking this question. Um, the, <laughs> the, the answer really is that God will use it in some way for something in the future, something better. And, uh, you know, the other thing with that too, Father, and we're down to just a, a minute or so here, we might not even see the results of what God uses our suffering for. And that really just it goes back to trust. That that really seems to be the overarching theme of if we walk away with anything here. Sometimes we just have to have that faith, that trust that God will use that for something, even if we don't get to see the payoff in the end. I think that's right. I think we get enough signs when we do see the results of the suffering and, and what the suffering has yielded. He gives us little glimpses to kind of reinforce our faith. But, of course, at the end, and even the ultimate suffering, when we are, are dying, you know, that the sufferings that we endure there and hopefully embrace, uh, we're certainly not going to receive the results of those. And yet, in faith, we know that all of the suffering, even the final sufferings, uh, will be, in grace, will yield a lot of fruit. But you're right, it takes a lot of faith and it takes a lot of trust. And I guess there's one thing, one thing to keep in mind, and that is that every human being on the planet is dealing with this. This is not like it's a Christian yeah, problem. It's, it's a human it's problem. It's not just you. Know? you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just That's you. That's right. Yeah. All right. Father, uh, we've got about uh, 20 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners as we conclude the hour? Of course, Josh. May the blessing of Almighty God descend upon all who are listening to us, especially those who are suffering in any way, upon their loved ones, now and always, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Always good to talk with you, Father Griffin. Thanks for being with us for this hour. Also, thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser for their help in producing the program. I uh, want to talk tomorrow about 
the vacation time that we have during the summer, those leisure moments. How can we take those moments and make them holy? It's going to be a great conversation tomorrow with Father Joseph Johnson. He'll be joining us from the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here, followed by The Faith Explained with Kale Clark. And I hope you have a blessed rest of your afternoon.